This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and I am joined by four guests this evening. First off, Mr. Macaraccio. Matt, welcome back to the saddle. Oh, Paul, I mean, I got psyched up for tonight's episode. It's been something that I've been looking forward to. I mean, a welcomed diversion from everything that's going on around us. I just can't wait to sit down and talk some football. Absolutely. And Matt and I are so excited to be joined by three people from the industry to do a Dynasty Rookie Mock Draft. First off, from the Dynasty Draft Room, Zach Thomas. Zach, welcome to the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast. Hey, thanks a lot, man. I'm happy to be on. Um, yeah, kind of like you said, I'm, I'm glad we could start talking some football because I, I definitely need to talk some ball, man. Absolutely. Ray Garvin also joining us from DLF and the Destination Devi podcast. Ray, welcome here to Saturday Sunday. Man, I really appreciate it, Paul. It's something that we had talked about, you know, doing something together months ago, man, during the college season and in life happens. But here we are. And I have no excuses because I have nowhere to go because of what's going <laughs> on. So uh, really excited to join the awesome guest of uh, guest of Fantasy Minds, man. This is going to be fun. Absolutely. And then rounding out the five of us tonight is Mr. John Lobb. John, welcome back from Football Diehards. You have been a consistent guest over the years here at Saturday Sunday. We're excited to have you back. Oh, thank you so much, man. You know, I've been staying up later and later. Our lives are so different, man. Three weeks, four weeks ago, this would have been late. Now I'm like, I'm cool. Let's talk football, man. I'll be up till midnight. So this is a great diversion. And I was actually thinking, I think this might be my fifth or sixth year on your podcast at Saturday to Sunday. So it's great to be back, my friends. Absolutely. So Basically, to set the stage of what we're going to be doing tonight, we are hoping to get through a two-round Dynasty Rookie Mock Draft. We're going to do a one QB setup, tight end premium. We decided to go with the one tight, I mean, the one quarterback, because it, when it's super flex, it kind of starts out the same way with, you know, Joe Burrow and two at the top and then Herbert pretty early on. So now we thought it would be a little bit more interesting to go to one quarterback route to kind of see where those quarterbacks kind of fit in with all the other skill position players and maybe just how early somebody might take them if it's not a super flex league. So that's going to be set up, obviously, PPR. Uh, and we're just going to go around. We're going to go around the horn. Each person who makes a pick is going to give a brief description of what they like most about the player. So not a full profile, just a couple things that really stand out about the guy. Uh, at the end of each round, uh, I'm going to pose some questions to the people to find out, you know, a little pick their brain a little bit in, in terms of why they went th- that position and that player in terms of another player at a different position. Uh, so I think it'll be a lot of good intel to kind of talk about and kind of make some sense of this really unique and deep draft class here. Obviously, we know once we know landing spots, that will dramatically change, you know, what the rookie draft looks like. But it's fun to kind of talk about it when we're really just basing it 100% on talent, on film eval, you know, on, you know, analytical data and all that stuff in terms of making our own evaluations on these guys before landing spots really dictate a lot of it. So let's get right into it. We're going to start right at the top. Uh, 1.01 pick. Zach, you drew the honors of having the first pick. Get it started, my friend. Awesome, man. I, I'm happy to have the first pick because I feel like you can't screw this one up. Uh, ah! talking about like pre-draft. Uh, but I got to go with my guy, Jerry Judy, out of, out of Alabama. Um, I know, you know, some guys like C.D. Lamb or I'm looking at you, Ray. Uh, 
but I think Jerry Judy's, uh, I think he's just a, a, a really good, a talented wide receiver that can all do just, just about anything you ask him to do. Um, I think he's got just tremendous change of direction abilities. I think he has fairly strong hands. I know he had some drops a little bit here and there this year, but I think he's pretty consistent with that for the most part. Um, and his route running ability is just phenomenal. And I think if you're going to be in the NFL, I think you got to be able to, you know, really, really take these corners for a ride. And I think you can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Judy is a guy that uh, we just put out a little snippet over at the Saturday Sunday handle about our profile on Jerry Judy. And, and I commented on it that a couple of my favorite things about him, you know, his inside outside versatility. I know he played a lot inside at Alabama. I think that was more a product of what was surrounding him than his inability to play on the outside. Uh, I think he's one of the premier route runners in this class, you know, and I do think he's ready to, to transition, you know, from the Saturday game to the Sunday game, just about as good as any wide receiver in this class. So big fan of Judy, Matt, before we bring it over to John for the second pick, anything about Judy's game, Matt, that maybe has you slightly concerned about him making the transition. You know, I know we've went on air and said we, we don't care about market share and stuff like that with Jerry Judy based on the context, but is there anything on the football field? If, if you were going to say maybe one thing that most, you know, has you a little bit a, a developmental area or something about Jerry Judy that maybe you, you want to see him improve upon when he gets to the next level. Yeah, I think he's got to prove it against the press more. I think that's going to be a big issue, I think, at the secondary level. I think as you transition to the NFL, and I know a lot of you guys have experience with playing ball or or studying at a high level. I mean, you know, beating the press is 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 one of the most important things, you know, to be able to do at the next level, especially at the wide receiver position. So I think he's done that at times. It's not like it's totally devout of exposures, but certainly not – uh, a plethora of exposures to at least look at to get a good sense of his entirety in terms of his movement toolbox. So it's just something to point out. I'd say that's the the first place we're going to have to see where he does. I, I think he'll be able to do it, but I think that that certainly would be the concern uh, if I were thinking about the next level is beating the press consistently against strong physical corners at the next level. Yeah, I think I think it's a very fair argument in terms of an area he could work on and improve at the next level. So, John, let's keep this going. 1.02 pick, where are you going? I couldn't be more happier. I'm just absolutely shocked that my man is on the board here, man. Jonathan Taylor. There to oh, me, there oh. is nowhere else to go here. <laughs> I am just simply ecstatic with the Wisconsin Badger bulldozer, man. So it's been a long process with me here. If we had done this show back in December, he would have been in the top two or three running backs because I loved the film, watching the game, watching the tape throughout his three seasons at Wisconsin. And the production is just simply off the wall to 2,000 yard seasons. But I had some concerns about the athletic ability. You're never really sure watching these Wisconsin backs. And we've all seen Ron Dane, you know, Monty Ball, we, you know, Corey Clement, Melvin Gordon. How athletic is he? Oh my God. When he went to the sea, the combine, he hit a God darn grand slam. I mean, he has explosion. He has burst. He has straight line speed. Everything you would want. I've been doing for seven years on Football Diehards my profiles. In the seven years, I want to go back all the way to Eddie George. That's how long I've been watching football. But I'm going to go back in this seven-year window. 
The only two players who are better prospects are Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley at the running back position. This man checks every box. The only thing I was concerned about was the Wisconsin system and his ability athletically, but he's a star athletically. I love him. I'll take him here every day. Absolutely. You know, great pick there. Ray, I know you are a big fan of Jonathan Taylor. So before you make your pick at 1.03, is there anything that you want to add on to John's description of Jonathan Taylor that really stands out of why you're such a big fan of him as well? So share a little bit on Jonathan Taylor and then go right into your one point, uh, your pick at 1.03. Yeah, I'm hurt because I was sniped <laughs> there because I really I was hoping in a different direction. But the only thing I'll add about Taylor is a lot of people, I see a lot of criticism that he doesn't have enough wiggle. He doesn't know how he can't make people miss. What I'll say to that is the ability to make people miss, uh, it, it varies from prospect to prospect. It does not have to look like DeAndre Swift. He has more than enough inside wiggle to make defenders miss. So, you know, one of those criticisms that I see of Taylor that he can't make people miss inside of a box. And uh, that's, I think that's a little bit uh, misguided just because it doesn't look like Shady McCoy, just because it doesn't look like DeAndre Swift does not mean he can't make defenders miss. And with that being said, I had a decision here and uh, I like to build my dynasty rosters around uh, rock solid running backs. And if Jonathan Taylor is the best prospect, running back prospect in this class. And as John said, one of the best to come out uh, since Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think DeAndre Swift is too far behind Jonathan Taylor. So I'm going to go ahead and grab him at 103. And what I like in fantasy football and in the NFL is I like TDTs, three down threats. And DeAndre Swift is that. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. He's solid in pass pro. And I tell everybody, there was one person who had uh, uh, Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle watching on the sidelines their final season at Georgia, and that was true freshman DeAndre Swift who actually took work from those guys, and you have to be something special to take work from a first-round running back, and then Nick Chubb arguably could have been a first-round running back himself, but one of the better running backs in the NFL. Uh, so to be able to get DeAndre Swift, again, a TDT, a three-down threat here at the 103, Hey, I, I am not. I don't feel like it's a consolation prize whatsoever. I'm very excited about his skill set. He went to the combine and answered some of those athleticism concerns, especially his long speed by running a four-four eight forty-yard dash. Even though we know the forty-yard dash for running backs is a little overrated in my opinion, but he did display that he has some juice. He's got the wiggle. He's got the production. Even though. He didn't run for back-to-back 2,000-yard seasons. I'm more than happy to have DeAndre Swift here at 103. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely love Swift. He is my top running back on the on my board, even ahead of Jonathan Taylor, because of that, of what you just talked about, that three-down capabilities. I actually think he was underutilized in the passing game over his time at Georgia. I don't even think they really understood just the type of mismatch player he could have been. And I think they actually utilized him more in the right capacity as a receiver in that freshman year that you were talking about when, when Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb were there. And then I don't know if it was, they felt like they had to kind of preserve him or whatever it was, but the last two years, I just don't even think they took advantage of his, his skill set as a receiver to the full extent they should have. So I'm really excited to kind of see where he lands at the NFL and how much they maximize his overall game. Matt, any thoughts on Swift? If you want to share, if not, take it right into 1.04. 
No, I mean, I think you guys covered it pretty well, but I think I'm going to kind of go exactly where Ray did right there. And I think that I want to build my team around versatile, skillful players. And regardless of position, I want to take the guy that I think is going to, no matter where he goes, no matter where he ends up on what team, I want a guy that's going to have an immediate role. And I, and I'm very tempted, very tempted from a dynasty standpoint to go with a wide receiver just because of that shelf life that they could have if they actually re- you know, reach their peak value. But I also see value in running backs that are those three down threats. I think very much in terms of players like, I mean, look at players like CJ Spiller, who always found a home just because he could run between the tackles, could catch the football. And that's a player who really didn't quite reach his potential. So when you think about players that can really kind of impact players overall, I think, you know, I took Christian McCaffrey coming out first overall in our league, Paul, you can attest to that. I took Kamara, same thing in that league later in that first round. I take players that I think can do that three-down threat capability. So I'm going to go a little bit zag here against everybody else's zig, and I'm going to take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And I'm going to take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire here for one reason, because I think he is absolute Play-Doh. He's going to be somebody that a team's going to get, and they're going to find a spot immediately for him. Now, it may not reach the pinnacle of performance of DeAndre Swift, nor may it reach the same level of performance as Jonathan Taylor. He may never have their seasons. He may never have their seasons or win you a championship, but I bet you he's on your team for five years. I bet you he's on your team for five years. So what I mean by that is you might be able to hold on to him. He might be your RB2, RB3 for five or six years, and you know what? That ain't bad. That ain't bad. I'll take that guy because if I'm starting more than one running back like most of our leagues do, sign me up for a guy who can catch passes, sign me up for a guy who can run between the tackles, run outside. He's the best route runner in this class probably at that position. It's, it's, I would argue that right now, and I'd be hard-pressed to find a better, more intuitive route runner than he is. So that's my guy. I was, I was going between another player, and I don't want to rob anybody else of their pick, but I'll stop there. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at number four for me. I, I definitely zagged there, so hopefully it adds a little interesting, a little interesting sauce on this first round. Well, what I love about the pick, Matt, is he's another one of those guys that three down capabilities in a you know PPR type setting, which you know most leagues now are going to if they're not already or haven't been or half PPR. He's going to be a guy that I don't see a way he's not a fifty to sixty catch guy. You know, as you know, maybe not his rookie year, but by his second year, he seems like a guy who's going to be very much involved in the past game. And then he also could be a guy that could carry the tote as well. So if he's getting, you know, somewhere in that 16 touch range, whether it's, you know, 13 rushes and then four or five receptions, I think that's going to be a guy who is very much a consistent fantasy asset. Maybe he's never an RB one or a top eight or top 10 running back in all fantasy, but I think he's a guy who's going to be a rock solid RB two in PPR type settings. And, and I'm glad, you know, and I know you're not the person who would ever do this. You know, I feel like there's been a little bit of a downturn with some people overly concerned about his combine. And I'm just not sure what exactly people were watching because I don't think the combine for him really did anything that was all that surprising. Well, you you know what, Paul, though, like not, not to interrupt me. I know we all get hung up on the the combine. And I just want to say like the combine tests, basically, in my opinion, the effectivities of the player, their physical capacities, but it doesn't test their timing or their understanding of when to use those physical capacities. So I think we just have to delineate between the two when we're, we're kind of talking, I, I understand why people are concerned, I, I get it, but I think that that's a big thing. 
their effectivities don't necessarily translate to their ability to actually use them at the right time and at the right place. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. So I'll keep this going because I'm on the clock at 1.05 here, and I'm going to stick with the running back position. A little bit torn here between two names, but I'm going to go with the guy I have higher on my board, and that is J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State. I like the size and frame. I think his athleticism is good to very good. I think this year, especially on some of his long runs where he took it to the house, he showed that he had more burst and acceleration and long speed that I think for some reason people questioned about him, even though when he came out of high school, that was not a question. I feel like after his freshman year, you know, some people started to question that. And I think this year he answered the bell there. Uh, his one cut ability. I like his change of direction skills. I like his vision. To me, he's got good play strength. He runs tough and physical. I like his contact uh, balance in terms of absorbing contact and, and delivering it. And I also think he's got that three down skill set. I don't think he ha- has it as much on a level of DeAndre Swift or Clyde Edwards Hilaire. But I think after those two guys, he's in the mix for, you know, one of the, the next maybe best receiving back or, or in the, in the conversation as either as the third or fourth best receiving back in this class. So I like the three down capabilities. Little disappointed we didn't get to see any athletic testing just to kind of check that box off. You know, obviously he didn't do anything at the combine and his pro day ended up being canceled, obviously, like everybody's. Uh, but he's still a guy that is very high on my board. Uh, so I'm excited to get him here at pick 1.05. Zach, before you make your pick here at 1.06, we have had a little bit of a running back run since your last pick at the top there with Jerry Judy. Any thoughts on the collection here of running backs that went off the board? I don't know if you have definitive rankings, you know, if you want to share how those running backs maybe fall on your board or any thoughts on any of those running backs that just went off the board here before your pick at 1.06. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little surprised that all these running backs came off the board, especially with the next wide receiver I'm about to take. But uh, no, these guys actually fell in the exact same order I got them ranked here. I got Swift 1, Taylor 2, Edward Slayer 3, and Dobbins 4, so... Um, no, you guys nailed it. I think you guys did a good job there. Zach, uh, trade trade me this pick. Trade me this pick. <laughs> I'll, give, no, man, I'll, give you, I'll give you my next two for this pick right here. Man. How about you have the best wide receiver duo in the NFL right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, give me, uh, me CeeDee Lamb here. Um, this is um, – he, he'd actually be my second overall pick too. For me, I, I really like to build my dynasty teams based around the wide receiver position. Um, kind of like what Matt was talking about when they got, you know, the, the, they last longer, you know, it's someone, it's a, it's a, it's a position you can really rely on uh, as a da- dynasty owner. And I think Lamb's just going to give that to you. I think he's, he's arguably the best wide receiver in this class. I mean, I got Judy higher, but Lamb is, you know, he's very close behind him. It's, it's not a very far stretch at all. Um, I think he has a very good overall game. What I love about him, though, is, is something that I don't think Judy really does very well. Um, two things, actually. Uh, the contested catch ability, plus I think I think Lamb does a really good job blocking, which I know teams are going to love. Um, so one of those two guys, in my opinion, are going to be the first off the board, um, and that's probably going to kind of define who goes first, who goes second in wide receiver rankings there. Um, so, yeah, give me, give me Lamb here with uh, – where am I at, 106? 1.06, yep. Yeah, I, I like my duo here. Yeah, absolutely. Lem's a guy that we actually just put out a little uh, preview of his profile today at Saturday to Sunday, and he's a guy that I commented on his his ball control, body, uh, his his body control, his ball skills, his ability to adjust are, are some of his favorite traits that stand out uh, when I watch him play. So you know, 
I don't think there's much. Judy is my top wide receiver as well, but I think the the margin between them is is, is thin uh, for for sure. So it's interesting here how we had wide receivers and then four running backs uh, kind of pushed in between them. John, before you make your pick at one point oh seven. Any quick thoughts on the Judy Lamb conversation? Is is it Judy followed by Lamb for you? Is it Lamb followed by Judy? Is it a real thin margin like I see it, or do you see it a little different? I do see a very thin margin. I mean, I understand the upside of CD Lamb. I get why people rank him at the top, but I am on Team Judy. Now I seem to be I I that doesn't seem to be the majority opinion anymore in the dynasty community. But I look at the context of his work over three years at Alabama and look at I I watch the combine. I factor it into my evaluation. It is a part it's a process, but to me, I still think Jerry Judy is just such an incredible football player. And I think he has special traits that are being undervalued as far as a route running. And as my friend Matt has taught me, his problem-solving skills, I believe, are unbelievable at the wide receiver position. I think he makes the most out of his athletic ability to use his skills at the exact right time on the football field. Yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, I think I think most people, who even people who have Lamb ahead of Judy, and then vice versa, I think a lot of people tend to agree that the the margin between them is, is pretty razor thin. I think both probably come off the board in the top fifteen. I think top twenty at at worst case scenario. So, John, keep this going at one point oh seven. Who's the pick? So one oh seven. As I was watching the board, I really was hoping CD Lamb, but Zach took him. So I'm going to dip back into the running back pool. I t- t- tend to take my dynasty teams around the backfield. And if you had told me in November that I was going to reach here for this player, I would have thought, no way, because I watch so much college football. I love the ACC. Man, Make but you got to put it into context. Florida. <laughs> State's offensive line the past two years has been abysmal. And I dare you to name a quarterback who is effective for the Seminoles. I mean, I cannot believe how far this program has fallen. When you put it into context, Cam Akers, he has risen as high as anyone in this process. Man, that offensive line was putrid. Now, he has some concerns but you know what he has played so long and had to do so much all by himself if a coaching staff gets him in the room and they can get him behind an efficient offensive line and he can build trust all of those concerns about bouncing it outside trying to make too much happen I think they disappear because there's times on that film where you see him. He is an uber problem solver who was absolutely getting killed. There are times where he literally is hit two yards behind the line of scrimmage. He has to do almost everything by himself. Hey, 5'10", 217 pounds. He is a violent runner. Good leg drive, power, explosion. 4.47. This man is moving, and I agree straight line speed is not everything in the running back position. 
But then you get a 4-4-2 in the 20-yard shuttle with that size. He's a good pass catcher. He can catch the pass. I mean, he can run downfield 15 to 20 yards and actually run a route, not just a dump-off pass. He can run routes and make things happen. I love getting Cam Akers here at 1-7. Yeah, I mean, Cam Akers was actually the guy that I was torn between when I took J.K. Dobbins at 1.05. Matt and I have been fans of Akers for years here at Saturday to Sunday. Ray, it seems like John did it again to you. I I guess I should apologize. I was the one that made the draft order. If I would have put you at two, and then instead of John at two, you you wouldn't have gotten sniped twice here with Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers. So share some thoughts on Cam. Uh, right, and then make your pick at one point oh eight. Yeah, you know it's. <laughs> I, I respect John and the work that he does. This is the first time being on a show with him, and I mean, <laughs> I say this respectfully. I'm just not a fan of this guy. I, I really, <laughs> I really respectfully just do not like him. But um, in all seriousness, <laughs> though, uh, in all seriousness, uh, excellent pick. And just to piggyback on what he said about Acres, another thing that I really enjoy about his game is that he's physical and he will pass block and he will stick his nose in there. Doesn't mean his technique is perfect, but he is not afraid to absorb contact or deliver punishment. And I love that about him. And people hear about how bad the offensive line was. It's almost kind of cliche to say that, (laughs) but uh, he, of his 1100 plus rushing yards, 904 of those yards came after contact. And I think the offensive line, his offensive line was credited with two positive yards gained all season, <laughs> according to PF. Not, not per game, not per attempt, two yards. I mean, I can go out there and go get two yards on my own right now at 33 years old. But uh, love the pick. And uh, right here at – where am I at? Where are we at? 108? 107? Yep, 108. 108. Uh, I'm going to take a personal favorite of mine, and he is personally my wide receiver too – but I am going to take TCU wide receiver Jalen Rager right here. Uh, very, very excited to get Rager here. And I, I can talk about um, his situation at TCU was his situation at TCU was a mess. It was uh, I, I went to three games live, left all three of them early. Um, I believe there were four games in 2019 where Rager wasn't even targeted by a quarterback until the third quarter. Uh, it was just, a, and that was coming off of a very, very great uh, sophomore season campaign from him, where he showed that promise to be an elite playmaker at the collegiate level. But he's played with six different quarterbacks. Uh, TCU's offense is as bismal as we talked about Florida State's offensive line. I mean, you try to watch him TCU tape from 2019, and it's it's pathetic. And here's and here's my my biggest argument for Rager is this. Judy, Lamb, Rager, Higgins, whomever, whatever wide receiver you want to name, they're going to struggle at the next level. They're going to have learning curves at the next level. They're going to have to learn how to play outside, play inside, win against press coverage, win against man coverage, understand zone concepts. One thing that Jalen Rager can do out the gate day one on any NFL team is be a dynamic return man, whether that's punt return or kick return. And I am not comparing Jalen Rager to this player. I'm not saying he is Tyreek Hill, but if you rewind a few years ago, how Tyreek Hill got his break, look at David Johnson, how he got his break to more offensive opportunity. It was via special teams. David Johnson set the NFL record as a rookie by returning three kick returns, three games in a row 
four touchdowns, his rookie season. Tyreek Hill, people thought he was a gadget player early in his career because he was a punt return specialist and they'd hand him a ball here and there. Rager is a dynamic athlete. He's a dynamic kick returner. He's a dynamic punt returner. And if all else fails uh, early in his career, you throw him on special teams. If he performs well in those areas, it should, in theory, yield more offensive opportunities. So right here at 108, I'll take that gamble on Jalen Rager. I'm, I'm very excited about his prospectus at the next level. Yeah, I mean, Rager has so much to offer. I love that you brought up the kick return special team skills because I do think that is something that does translate. Their ability at the collegiate game to impact special teams shows, I think, their ability in the open field to make plays happen, that game-breaking ability. And listen, everyone everyone gets up in arms when, when we talk about player comps because I, I often hear Saturday, Sunday say a guy resembles this guy. It doesn't mean we think they're going to have that type of – success at the next level it's more about stylistically who they remind us of listen a lot of things got to break right for for a guy to become as as talented and as productive as Tyree Kill has but there's easily an argument to be made you know that Rager reminds people stylistically how he plays of a Tyree Kill I've said since last summer that I see Brandon Cooks I see a lot of Brandon Cooks in Jalen Rager the way he attacks the ball and everything that he offers to the table as well so like the pick Probably a little bit higher than some people might have in terms of their wide receivers, but I think this wide receiver class, really after Judy and Lamb, and and maybe Ray was even saying he has them at number two. I do think there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of the way the the, the wide receivers are going to be ranked because they're so talented and so different and unique. So Matt, one point oh nine, you're on the clock. If you want to share any thoughts on Rager as well. Yeah, no, I actually Ray and I share the same affinity for Rager. I've had him at number two um, as well since the preseason as well. I mean, I've been, I've been right there on that train. Um, I think I've seen from him a lot of movement skill, especially at the catch point. I think one thing that's very underestimated about him is just how he can win in contested situations. He shows incredible, incredible feel for body positioning at the catch point, understands tempo and how to use his own tempo as a route runner to ward off bigger athletes. So he knows how to, how to pace a cornerback and not let the cornerback supersede him or get the top on him. So I think that there's a lot of intuition there, a lot of feel for the game, a lot of skill at the position that I think is really, really there for Rager. He He's my number two. I continue to be on that train as well. So I was pissed. I was pissed. So I was very unhappy with Ray there. But you know what? I'm going to, again, I'm going to, I'm going to keep playing. I'm going to keep playing spoiler and I'm going to keep kind of throwing in a little bit of, of some different juice here. Keep the sauce brewing. I'm gonna go with at the. I'm gonna go with a quarterback right here, and I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take a player that I just think from day one has been the the most skillful, um, one of the most uh, intelligent and diversified quarterbacks um, that I ever saw coming in. Um, I think only Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields have made me uh, oogle and ogle more than this player, and that's Tua Tagovailoa out of Alabama. And I'm gonna go there. Um, just because, yes, you know what? I got to tell you something. The injury has me spooked. I'm not going to tell you that I'm not a little bit um, scared for it, but I think at the value at 1.09, probably in a league where I would probably already have a veteran quarterback or somebody stable, I think it's a worthwhile investment because I think if he's healthy, um, I think if he's over his injuries, I think you're talking about a dynamic southpaw. And let's not forget the southpaw aspect is something to be held because I'm not saying it makes him 
better, but it's certainly a good curveball, and it certainly makes defenses a little bit screwed up, so I like that about him. Um, but I also love what he can do outside of the pocket. I think the biggest part of what I love about Tua is there's a certain feel for pass rush angles. There's a certain understanding for how to manipulate time in the pocket and outside the pocket. He has fantastic touch and connection to his wide receivers. Remember, it's a passer. I, I, the one thing I'll leave here is I think with a quarterback, a quarterback is a passer, like a point guard in basketball. You not only have to understand yourself, but you have to understand your teammates. And I think he does a great job of understanding his players. Those wide receivers at Alabama, you want to argue they made him. I can argue they made him, but he made them. So I, I don't know how you delineate the two. So if they're a dynamic passing game, him being the trigger man for that team has got to be something that we are all truly beholden. That doesn't take anything away from Joe Burrows. It's just I think that he is a fantastic player. I'm taking him at 109 for the value pick for my team, and I want to see if a star rises from the ground because I think it could. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting and fascinating. And this is part of the reason why I didn't want to do Superflex. I wanted to see where people value these quarterbacks. Because while Tua may not have been my pick here if Matt didn't at 1.10, I could understand why he maybe went in that direction. Because as I look at my big board here, there's no running backs I'm even personally even contemplating and i won't contemplate for a while and then there's this big group of running uh, wide receivers where there's some delineation between them in terms of who i like but not a lot that i think a hundred percent are going to be based on landing spots and immediate opportunity scheme and quarterback play so i do think you could start thinking about the top tier quarterback especially you know ones that you know are as got as much upside as somebody like Tua or, you know, Matt mentioned Joe Burrow, be interested to see where he falls as well. Uh, so I do think it's not that crazy for a quarter, for people to start thinking quarterback here, just based on how not a lot of separation in the, in the next really big group of wide receivers, not any other running backs I really would consider at this point and not really a year like last year, no tight ends, I think really early on in the mix here, like we had last year to, to contemplate. So I think it's an interesting pick. Love to is the player today reports are that he says he's hundred percent healthy and ready to go. Hope that's true. Uh, because I think it makes things a lot more intriguing in terms of draft night, in terms of who pulls the trigger on him. So I'll keep this going at one point, uh, 10 here and this is a guy who his stock is definitely I think in the consensus and the majority has been on his way down I think since the college football season ended uh part of that is a, a not participating at the combine and then kind of a poor pro day but I'm still a believer in T Higgins so I'm gonna I'm gonna take T Higgins here at 1.10 uh I know I know what he is and I know what he's not. He's not going to be a guy, you know, that is a burner down the field, but I still think he can win vertically down the field. I think his body control, I think his ball skills, his ability to adjust, his ability to high point. I think that's going to translate at the next level. I, I believe that. So yeah, he's not, He's a guy who I think can win in a variety of ways. I I do have some concerns about, you know, separation quickness at the next level, but I think he, I think he's going to still be able, you know, to develop and, and get a little bit better in that regards and I think he has a calling card. I like to look for players that I believe have calling cards. I think T Higgins is winning at the catch point and I think he's got enough athleticism, enough length, uh enough of, you know, ball skills that he could overcome 
whatever athletic deficiencies there may be. Uh, and I think you ask him to do what he's comfortable with right now. We served DK Metcalf. They asked him to, to, to really do what he was comfortable with. I think whatever team dressed T Higgins, they got to ask him to kind of do that as well early on as he continues to maybe round out his overall game. So he's the pick at 1.10. Zach, any thoughts on whether you want to, Mentioned, discussed the thoughts about Matt taking the quarterback there, you know, at the end of round one there, 1.09, or my pick of Higgins before you make your pick at at 1.11. Yeah, I got some quick thoughts on both. I mean, I, I kind of like the pick of Tua right there. I mean, I think it's you kind of get out of that, you know, high upside, like really, really high up ceiling of, of running backs. And you also, after C.D. Lamb and, and, and Jerry Judy, and, and I'll throw Rager in there as well because I know I know Ray loves, loves himself some Rager. Uh, I think you kind of get out of that realm of like really solid potential receivers as well. So I think taking a quarterback there makes a lot of sense. Um, I like the pick of Higgins here though. And I, I know he's starting to fall down some boards a little bit, kind of like what you alluded to, you know, with, with not participating in the combine, kind of some average numbers at his pro day. Um, and I, I mean, I do see some athletic, uh, athletic deficiencies in his game a little bit. You know, I, I don't think he's like the fastest guy, but he was u- utilized as a as more of a deep threat in, in at Clemson. He reminds me a lot of like Mike Williams. I, you know, I don't think Mike Williams is like extremely fast or nothing like that, but he's utilized as a, as a deep threat, someone who can you know position his body well and, and go up and make these contested catches. And and when he's got the ball in his hands, I think he's really good. So I, I like the pick of Higgins. Wouldn't it would have been my pick, uh, but I, but I do like it. So. Speaking of my pick, I will take Justin Jefferson out of LSU. Three wide receivers here. I mean, if it's I, if I'm wide receiver needy, I'm. I want your team, Zach. I mean, not for nothing. Like I love, I like your team. I'll take Judy, C.D. Lamb, and Justin Jefferson as my uh, three wide receivers. So I'll put those two on the outside. You know, I'll I'll, I'll teach Judy how to play on the outside. He'll, he'll he'll do just fine, and I'll put Justin Jefferson in the slot and, and let him do his thing. I think he's a, an extremely smart route runner. I don't think he's overly fast or anything like that, but I think he has just you know tremendous hands that are very reliable. Um, understands own concepts. He can beat man coverage. You know, I think he breaks his routes off with, with some pretty good snap and, and someone who could just lose man coverage very easily. So um, he's my third wide receiver uh, currently right now. And um, I- I'm happy to get my, my top three wide receivers so far in the in the first round here. Yeah, I mean, I think Jefferson, his stock is definitely rising since the season ended. I think a lot of people thought he was on that round one, round two bubble. And then he showed, as I talked about athletic deficiencies a little bit, maybe with T. Higgins. I think Justin Jefferson went to the combine and ju- and showed out athletically more than what anybody expected. So whether we could, ha- we could have a whole nother hour show on the merits of the combine, but we do know it does matter in some capacity. So when a guy shows something that maybe we don't see – on the football field on Saturdays, it just makes it his upside go even a little bit higher because it's maybe a little bit more than we even potentially thought. And I think that's what Justin Jefferson did. Teams now look at him as maybe not only an inside guy, which I think he's still maybe his best position is to play inside in the slot. But I think the speed and the athletic numbers he showed at the combine will intrigue NFL teams enough to think he could also be a consistent player on the outside as well. If, if I was going to start taking draft capital into this, I think Justin Jefferson will have significantly better draft capital. I think Jefferson's probably off the board by pick 25 or so, and Higgins might fall now to the middle of the second round or early part of second round. So Jefferson, I think, will have that draft capital probably higher even than T Higgins, but landing spot, you know, could really impact it. They'll, they'll probably still be taken within 20 picks or so. So well, I you, personally chose the the guy I have a little bit more higher rated. You said, uh, you said pick 25 and uh, my, my team, the Vikings here, 
they have a guy by the name of Adam Thielen. This dude reminds me a lot of Adam Thielen, someone who can play in the slot, play outside as well. Not fast, like I said, but re very reliable hands with really good route running. So, I mean, I think they have pretty similar games. Vikings don't have a need at wide receiver. Landing in Minnesota here. Absolutely. be a great landing spot. You've heard a lot of Saints talk about a wide receiver potentially in round one. That would be another really intriguing landing spot. John, finish off round one here, 1.112. All right. My brother just moved to Waco, Texas about eight months ago, and he had actually invited me down to see the Oklahoma-Baylor game. But it was kind of hard in the school year to fly out to Waco, Texas for a Saturday afternoon game. But, man, do they have, they had some players on the field that day. And right now I'm going to dip into this fascinating wide receiver pool. I'm going with my man Denzel Mins of Baylor. Hey, look at man. Baylor is similar to Wisconsin. They produced a lot of wide receivers, but they come into the league and they have not been overly successful. And we all remembered how we all waxed poetically about Corey Coleman, and it just – has not worked out. Kendall Wright. But man, Denzel Mims is a better athlete than all of these previous receivers coming out of Baylor. Also, remember, they have changed. Matt Rule changed that passing game. This is not the same aerial assault that they were running five, six years ago down in Baylor. Mims is bigger, 6'3", 207 pounds. He's a physical playmaker. Now, nothing personal. I know they don't play a lot of defense down in the Big 12 down there, so I'm sorry. I know they're defensively challenged, but man, Denzel Mims could have played easily in the SEC or the Big 10 and been successful, but when I saw that combine, 4.38, 6.66, 4.43. What I had here was a really nice match of production. I enjoyed the film. Good scheme. Superior athlete. I like the whole package. He's my number five wide receiver. I love him here at 112. I think by far he's going to be the most successful Baylor wideout in the NFL. He's. I have him as a higher rated prospect than all the other previous ones. And I think because of his physicality and his route running ability, he should have the easiest transition into the NFL. Denzel Mims is the new template of winning the pre-draft process. From when the season ended to draft night, nobody has helped their cause, you know, more than Denzel Mims. From the Senior Bowl, he was one of the stars at the Senior Bowl. If you follow all the practice reports and then the Combine, absolutely has been a guy who has helped himself out considerably since the season ended. So there it is, guys. Round one. Quick recap, Jerry Judy was 1.01, Jonathan Taylor at 1.02, DeAndre Swift at 1.03, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 1.04, J.K. Dobbins at 1.05, C.D. Lamb at 1.06, Cam Akers at 1.07, Jalen Rager at 1.08, Tua Tango-Valoa at 1.09, T. Higgins at 1.10, Justin Jefferson at 1.11, and Denzel Mims at 1.12. So at 1.12, Denzel Mims. We're going to go through round two. We're going to go a little bit more rapid fire here so we can get through all 12 of these picks and then have some parting thoughts here uh, to close up shop. So, right, kick it off at 2.01 where you're going. Yeah, and uh, this is somebody I've openly talked about as not being the biggest fan of this player 
but when you can arguably get, uh, he could potentially be the first wide receiver taken in the NFL draft. I, and I really wholeheartedly believe that could go number one as far as wide receivers go. Uh, give me the upside of Henry Ruggs right here. Uh, I think 2.01 for me is that's value. I, f- I feel that's value for what, again, could be the number one wide receiver taken in the NFL draft and worst case scenario he's not falling out of the first round not the biggest rugs fan you know I, I, I there's a lot of arguments against him he never could dominate on his own team third fourth fifth option sometimes but when when you're that athletically gifted and you do have that draft capital he is going to get opportunity whether he deserves it or not is he going to earn it to to keep it for staying power who knows but at, with that with that type of speed with that type of athleticism and the anticipated draft capital, uh, I'm willing to bet on Henry Ruggs here, and I'm okay with taking him here at this spot because uh, there's no running back I would take over him, and I wouldn't tell you the other position player that I considered here, but right here at 201, I'll kick it off with Henry Ruggs. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fantastic pick, and for for whatever it's worth, this reminds me a lot of Marquise Brown last year, that as a whole... People like Henry Ruggs, the player, but the fantasy community doesn't seem to be all that high on him. And as Ray just said, there's a possibility he's the first wide receiver taken. Daniel Jeremiah has been really pushing that narrative for a while that he thinks it is very much, you know, up in the air who's first between Judy, you know, C.D. Lamb and Henry Ruggs. And even last year before the draft, Marquise Brown in, in things like exercises like this wasn't going as high as he should. Even after he was taken in the first round, Marquise Brown wasn't going as high as he should last year in Dynasty Rookie Drafts. And I feel like Henry Ruggs is a similar situation. People sometimes look at these burners and look at these speed guys and think they're a little bit one-trick ponies and sometimes have reservations about pulling the trigger in terms of fantasy, even though the NFL teams don't have you know any hesitation to make these guys really high draft picks. So I think the value is tremendous for a guy who's in the conversation to be the first wide receiver taken or at worst that probably I can't see anyway. He's not the third wide receiver taken absolute worst case scenario, but a hundred percent probably going to be a first round pick Matt 2.02. You're on the clock. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of go um, probably back to the quarterback position just because I feel like this is the time to take him. And I'm going to go with Joe Burrows and I feel like it's great value here. I think he's an automatic starter. I think he is a great player. And I think I'm, I'm tired of the narrative that we didn't see it his whole career. Listen, did you understand everything you ever had to know in this world from day one? Of course not. You learned as you went going, as you went along. You learn as you go. You get better as you go. You develop skill as you get experience. He gained experience. He had opportunity, and he capitalized on it in a monumental, incredible, historic season. And you'd be hard-pressed to not look at that film and find virtually every type of throw you would want to see, from being poised in the pocket to being able to handle various pass rush angles to being calm under pressure to being able to manipulate outside the pocket and still being able to throw downfield. He's a very skilled passer. And again, I want passers. I don't want throwers. I don't want guys that have all the metrics that make them look good. I don't want the big arm. I, uh, this is why there are players that are in this draft that might have a bigger arm than Joe Burrows, and I'm just not interested. I'm interested in the player who's a great passer. Give me the great point guard. Give me the great distributor of the football. That's who I want on my team, and I think Joe Burrows is the pick right here. Yeah, I mean, listen, you can't go wrong with Joe Burrow there. Obviously, I love his ability to navigate the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, and look for his receivers and let them get open. And then the running component. 
a guy like Daniel Jones this past year added something with his legs, Joe Burrow is going to do that at the next level as well. So I think that is that little extra caveat of him as a player that really makes him intriguing. And I can totally understand going back to back here with the quarterbacks as you did, because when you look around at the, at the other p- players in the conversation, I think you could say, you know what, when my next pick comes up, there's not going to be a guy all that different, but there's not another quarterback on the level of the two guys that you just talked about. So if I keep this going at 2.03, going to go back to the wide receiver. I guess I'm just getting all these guys that their stock is currently on the downward slope here since the season <laughs> ended. But that's partly because I, I, I stick to what I saw on film. I'm not giving up on LaVisca Chenault. Does he have some concerns? For sure. Does he got to expand his route tree? For sure. Does he got to be route refinement? For sure. Did he not test out nearly as well as I expected at the combine? For sure. But I do think that if he ends up in the right situation, he could have an impact like a Debo Samuel. He needs to get up. He needs to be drafted by a team with a creative-minded offensive coordinator, understand what he can and can't do early in his career, get him touches on a variety of ways, jet sweeps, end around, screen passes, because his play strength, his physicality, his yak, his rack ability, whatever you want to call it. I'm a big fan of all of them. I think he could be an impact player once you get the ball in his hands. I think he also showed the capabilities to impact at all three levels of the field because I have seen him win vertically down the field. Ready talked about the, the short stuff, the sweeps, the screens, the end of rounds. I think he could win on the intermediate, but that's probably the area where he's still got the most refinement to still do. But I like his body control, his ball skills, his ability to fight for it. And obviously, great size and frame at the position. I think he, you know, there was some talk that maybe he got injured at the combine. We never really heard the, the whole story there. You know, I think he's much more athletic than we saw at the combine. And I believe if he ends up in the right spot, he still could have a big impact at the next level as he continues to refine the rest of that game, uh, you know, to become a more complete wide receiver. So, Zach, you're back up here on the clock here at 2.04. All right, uh, I'm going to take maybe a little bit of a reach for what some people might consider, but I really like this guy as, as a whole. Uh, when you talk about like the wide water, water receiver position, I think he has some of the most fluid routes in the game. I think he paces really well, and I'm going to go with Brian Edwards out of South Carolina. Oh, damn it! Sorry, <laughs> did I say that on the speaker was open? Oh, I hate you! I hate you, Zach! That was my I sneaky like pick. I'm sorry. I like it. I'm really sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. I felt that one. That was like somebody taking Tyler Boyd two, four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> that one. No, I, I really like what this guy brings. I mean, I, I wouldn't say, like, again, like I said with Justin Jefferson, I don't think he's like the fastest guy or nothing like that. But I think he's just something that he, he brings uh, a very, very, like a very uh, well-rounded game to to, his, to to the wide receiver position. I, mean, I think he's going to step in year one uh, and, and contribute early. Um, I think he's got, you know, really, really solid hands, really reliable hands. Um, so I think you put him, I mean, you can put him on the outside and, and, and just let him do his thing. I think he's going to succeed right away. Yeah, absolutely. Edwards is a guy that, you know, we haven't really seen much from, you know, the senior bowl, uh, didn't participate in that due to injury. Then the combine suffered another injury in yeah, preparation for the combine. So he's a guy that's been a little bit out of sight, out of mind, but the Debbie and draft Twitter community has been really high on him for a long, long time. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the NFL thinks of him. You know, these guys that have been injured, you know, and, and then with everything not happening now in terms of pro days and stuff like that, I feel like there's a lot less information in terms of what the NFL thinks about certain guys. So I think, I think as we approach draft night, the Brian Edwards situation is fascinating in terms of where the NFL values him. So it's going to be something to really uh, keep close tabs on for sure. John, you're up at 2.05. 
So this is a tough spot here because there's a couple players that I like, and I think it's a little too early to go to my personal favorite. So I'm going to hope he falls for me, but I'm not sure he's going to. So I'm going to go here. I think the wide receiver position is so loaded. I still have guys in the bucket who I like I'm going to put off later. So I'm going to reach a little bit, but I love this running back. Now, I'm a Connecticut Yankee. This young man was from New London, Connecticut. He originally was going to go to my school, Michigan. Love the Wolverines. He ends up at Boston College. And, man, the production is off the charts. Now, he's no Jonathan Taylor. Don't get me wrong. But he's got two 1,500-yard seasons on the resume. I like the film work. And I know film can be biased and we're all subjective. But when he went to that combine and he hit a 4-5-3, he is a six foot, 247 pounds. Yes, people, 247 pounds. He's bigger than linebackers in this draft. I mean, there are, we love Isaiah Simmons. I'm going to assume everyone loves Isaiah Simmons. Love the man playing. A.J. Dillon's bigger. This is a god darn train rolling down the tracks. Now, maybe I'm old school. I watch too much Earl Campbell. I watch too much Derrick Henry. This is still a violent, physical game at its core. When you can get a player who can just physically intimidate other players, but he is going to be scheme dependent. You're not going to put him in a spread for receiver, put the guy, no, put him behind the line and let him pound people. And I had a dream the other day. The Pittsburgh Steelers got him in the second round. Man, would I love to see him rambling for Mike Tomlin. He says NFC North all over him. Man, I want to see him against the Ravens in Pittsburgh with the snow. Fourth quarter, up by three. Let my boy ramble. Young man, run. I'm taking A.J. <laughs> Dillon right here, brother. John, I, I'm very mad because on my sheet here, I've been writing down the picks. And at my 2.08 pick, which is still a few picks away, I already wrote down A.J. Dillon. I was so <laughs> confident that no one was going to take him because he can't catch a pass, so everybody hates him. He can't do this. Everybody hates him. But he's the only running back that I would consider in the second round without knowing landing spots. He's my number six running back. Love the player. You outlined everything about him that makes him an intriguing player. He's not going to be a guy that catches a lot of passes. He's going to be a part of a committee. But if he ends up in the right team and the right scheme behind the right offensive line, he could be a fantasy impact for sure. Absolutely love the pick. Right, shooting over to you, 2.06. Where are you going? I'm so glad uh, I was not sniped this time because I had no intent <laughs> of taking A.J. Dillon right there. Um, but I will say I do like that landing spot. I do like the Pittsburgh Steeler landing spot. If he landed there, I'd be mildly mild sauce, Taco Bell mild sauce uh, <laughs> level of interest in A.J. Dillon. But for me right here, I- I'm excited. I have been pounding this player's drums. I have been standing on the hilltops screaming for this player, and I missed out on Tua, who I love, and I missed out on Joe Burrow, 
but I would be more than happy right here at 206 to grab the Oklahoma gunslinger, Jalen Hurts, the Konami code. That was my guy. Right here. I, I'm glad you left him for me. I'm glad you <laughs> left him for me because I do think that he has a skill set that is translatable to the NFL. Are there things that he has to work on? Absolutely. 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 But so does every quarterback coming into the NFL. And I can go through all of his efficiency numbers. I can go through how well he has progressed each year of his collegiate career. But one of the things that I, I've, I've got a good buddy of mine that we, we played high school ball together. He was a former All-American at the University of Oklahoma and played for the Denver Broncos, Quentin Carter. Uh, you guys may have heard of him, but um, he's very well connected with the Oklahoma Sooners and everything out of out of Norman, Oklahoma is this guy's intangibles are through the roof. He's going to work his tail off day in and day out to get better. And he he's had, we talk about Denzel Mims. He's how he's aced the pre-draft process. I think Jalen Hurts, if, if Mims is number one, Jalen Hurts is right behind him for what he's done from the end of season through the senior bowl, uh, through what he did at the NFL combine. I just see his stock continuing to rise. And if I can get that dual threat capability, the, the, the passer who can run the ball, uh, I will take him right here. Uh, I know I'll be able to get one of my guys with my second, with my uh, last pick in this draft, but right here at two Oh six, I'd be more than happy taking Jalen hurts. Yeah. I love the pick and, me, Matt, and even privately have had conversations with John about Jalen Hurts and about his problem-solving capabilities on the football field. He might never be a guy that looks great in practice and that. And there was some talk at the Senior Bowl that, you know, he had a little bit of ups and downs. But that's not the, that's not the situation where Jalen Hurts is going to shine. And to be honest with you, I was even really impressed with what I saw in terms of his passing capabilities at the Combine. But it's, it's the intangible stuff. It's the growth that he showed at one year in that offense of being his offense that was catered to him. I think a team and I think an NFL team is going to pull the trigger on day two, possibly even round two. And if a team pulls the trigger in round two, to me, that's a commitment to build an offense that caters to this guy's skill sets and then let him be that leader of your team. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see that play out and who's willing to do that at the next level. I think someone's going to fall in love with him and we're going to see him taken in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. Matt, 2.07, where are you going? I'm sorry. I'm still recovering from the Brian Edwards pick. I'm I'm still haven't really gotten over that. Um, let's okay. All right. Anyway, moving forward, um, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead, and I, I'm actually, you know, this is this is where I think for for this particular class, I, I do think this is where you start getting a Rorschach test of of what you like in players, what you're looking for. And, and where you think they're going to fit. And I'm going to take a, a page right out of Ray's book there when he was talking about Jalen Rager. Um, and he was talking about, uh, you know, the idea of being, you know, a contributor day one at a position. And I'm going to go to the wide receiver position for the first time tonight. And I'm going to go to Brandon Ayuk. And I'm going to take him because I think day one, he's a potential immediate returner for a team 
He's dynamic in the open field as a returner. I think he's one of the best in this class. And then you look at him as a wide receiver, and I think there's a lot of tools there. I think when we talk about his physical capacities and effectivities, we talk about his incredibly long arms, his proportions in terms of his body, his ability to catch the football, and also the ability to create separation not only with route deception and route running, but I do think that he also has those that the physical capacities to kind of create that separation with his length. He's a longer player than you think. I think he's still developing. I think he's still developing tremendously. And I think he's a player that if you pair him up with a a Batman, he could be that Robin for somebody else day one. And I think he could be very good in the screen game. He can immediately contribute in a variety of ways in an RPO-based team, just taking that bubble screen on the outside of three wide receiver sets, just kind of coming back behind those wide receivers and taking that screen to the house. I think that that's the type of player he is day one. He's a cheaper Henry Ruggs version, if you want to call it that. I think if you're going to use Henry Ruggs in a variety of ways, if you're going to use Jalen Rager in a variety of ways, I think Brandon Ayuk is your, I don't want to say bargain basement, because I don't think he's a bargain basement prospect. I think last year he would have been a very high prospect for all of us. I think he's a guy, though, that can contribute day one in a variety of ways. And I like guys that I think are still developing and still have a higher ceiling to reach. I think he's that guy. Yeah, I think Brandon Ayuk is probably one of the most undervalued assets in the fantasy draft Twitter community, to be honest with you. And whether it's because he went the Juco route and then last year he was behind Nikhil Harry. So any of the metrics, you know, statistics aren't going to look great for Brandon Ayuk. But sometimes you just got to listen to the tea. You got to listen and read the tea leaves. And there's a lot of guys in the know from Daniel Jeremiah, you know, to Dame Brugler, to the Mel Kuypers and Todd McShays of the world that they have Brandon Ayuk as a guy that is teetering as, as potentially being a first round pick. And if not a first round pick, early second round pick, this guy's going to have significant draft capital attached to him he's a guy as matt said who has a lot of versatility who can do a lot of different things and the nfl really really seems to love this player you know jim Nagy, who's the director of the senior bowl you know he said that you know when he talked to teams at the senior bowl almost every team he talked to said they had a higher grade on brandon Ayuk than they had on Nikhil harry you know just to put a little into perspective and he didn't have to come out and say that like in, i think that's almost- fair though but i think that's fair i really do and i, I listen i like Nikhil harry but Nikhil harry wasn't wasn't this dynamic of a route runner as as Ayuk is and that's not saying Ayuk is jerry judy you know no. i think that's a fair comment you know yeah because i think in terms of today's modern nfl i think brandon Ayuk fits more what teams are looking for that space player and and versatility is such a key word now so i think it's a really good pick here i think Ayuk's the guy whose value will go up after the draft even more than maybe where he was taken in this draft because he'll have higher draft capital than some of the other guys that maybe even were taken already uh tonight in our draft at 2.08 which is my final pick of this rookie mock draft i'm gonna stick to the wide receiver position another guy that we haven't seen at all in the pre-draft process because he's an underclassman so he wasn't at either the senior bowl uh, the senior bowl or the shrine bowl then he was hurt couldn't perform at the combine where he probably would have blown up and that's kj hamler the underclassman wide receiver from penn state explosive player a guy who can win vertically down the field you can do some of the same things matt was just saying with brandon uh with brandon Ayuk. get him the ball in space find ways to manufacture touches for him the the question about kj hamler is what spectrum is he going to fall on he could be somewhere from marquise goodwin taylor gabriel 
Will Fuller, Deshaun Jackson, and then like the dream scenario, Tyree Kill. I mean, that's the spectrum of where we're talking about for a guy like KJ Hamler and his speed and his explosion. So I'm gonna I'm gonna gamble at this point that he's more towards at least the Deshaun Jackson, you know, you know, Will Fuller type range in terms of you know using that speed and translating that speed to being a productive player at the NFL level and a game breaking type player. So he's the pick here at 2.08 for me. Zach, 2.09, your last pick of the night. Where are you going? Last pick, and I, 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 he's going to be available in probably just about every single rookie draft. Uh, but I got I to gotta, I gotta throw him in here. I got to get him at the end of the second round here. I'm going to try to get him on every single team I got, and that is Wisconsin wide receiver Quintez Cephas. Um, he's someone that I, I really like. I think he's – he, he's got a fantastic release, extremely strong hands, plays uh, physical. He uh, doesn't mind contact whatsoever. Tremendous body control. Probably some of the best body control I've seen uh, is, is since Des Bryant, man. I mean, this dude is – I think he's legit. I think he's going to come out and, and and surprise a lot of people, be, be some of the one of the, one of those guys that come, kind of comes into the NFL and it's like, wow, like why was no one talking about him as much as they were? Well, had a sexual assault case in 2018, but we got to remember that that was dismissed. I feel like people just kind of like, you know, have that pegged as an issue, as a red flag, and don't really look into it as much. Like, oh, there's a sexual assault case. Well, screw this guy. Like, he's not even worth it. Well, I mean, he wasn't even – it didn't even go – nothing even happened. Like, he was – it was dismissed. It was fine. Like, move on. Uh, this dude's legit. I think he's going to be the real deal in the NFL. Um, you're looking at like that fringe wide receiver too, I think, in, in, in this guy here. So um, I'm happy to get him uh, at the, this point in the draft right here. Yeah, I mean, Cephas is a guy who I'm a fan of, and there's other people. I know Matt Waldman is a big fan of Quintus Cephas uh, as well. He's a guy who I think he's going to prototype as more of a guy who at the next level is best as a big slot. But, I mean, we've seen guys. I mean, Antoine Bolden was a big slot. He was great. I mean, Juju Smith, I think his best position is inside. You know, obviously, Cephas had a poor combine. I I was going to be interested to see, you know, if he could bounce back. I'm forgetting if they had – if he did run his pro day before all the pro days got shut down or not. But I do think he's a guy that is going to be there on day three. So we're probably talking about a guy who's somewhere now, you know, round four to round six, I would think, for a guy like Cephas. But I like a lot of what you talked about, the physicality, the toughness. Uh, again, I, I think big slot is is where he's ticketed for. So I think hopefully he has some draft capital attached to him uh, because if he does, then I could see a, a case where he's a guy who could be producing at the next level if he gets put in that right situation uh, and is not asked to do more than what maybe he's capable of. Yeah, so, I got a, I got a, I got a mid third on him, but I just want to say real quick because I was going to mention it earlier. We talked a little bit about the combine and all these numbers, whether it was d- disappointing or you blew it up. Um, man, these those are question answers. You know what I mean? Like I, I come in, I I had these questions about prospects and I jot them down. Man, I knew he wasn't the fastest guy in the world, but running a four seven, yeah, no, that ain't good. But I knew he wasn't fast, so I mean, it, it didn't really concern me a whole lot. That's not his type of game. Yeah, for sure. He 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 definitely is not a guy who wins with speed. He wins on his physicality, his toughness, his play strength. Uh, and that's why – and then even after the catch, while he's not a burner, he makes things happen with that physicality and toughness after the catch. John, final pick of the night for you at 2.10. Who is the pick? So I really wanted Jalen Hurts here, but I, I can live. You know, I'll move on. I'll grab someone else. Um, I think that was a great pick. I think the value, Jalen Hurts, the upside is just – tremendous. I'm a huge Jalen Hurts guy. So what I'm going to do is I don't think there's a tight end that is worth in a dynasty league 
first two rounds. So I'm just, I know it's a premium tight end you put down here, but I'm going to dumpster dive in this dynasty draft, man. I'll, I'll take a tight end in the fourth or fifth round. So I'm going to go with one of my kind of, you know, you have favorites through the draft process. You have guys who you like throughout the season. And I'm on the East Coast, but I watch way too much Pac-12 football. I just love staying up late. My wife wants me to go to bed. I'm like, man, you, you're you a football widow. I'm sorry about that. But, man, I'm staying up. I'm watching Pac-12. And one of the teams that I have loved for a long time are the USC Trojans, baby. Okay. Now, you've got to put this man into context. They okay. played with three quarterbacks and the irony is i'm going to go off a little bit on a tangent here what was usc doing because their best quarterback was the guy they put third into the game keaton slovis man if you're playing debbie watch keaton slovis the challenge is he's got some some concerns with the concussions but if it's not a concussion issue the young man can throw the football my friends i love keaton slovis but guess what who was he throwing the ball to? My man, Michael Pittman Jr. Hey, I'm old enough to remember. I drafted his dad, Michael Pittman Sr. in fantasy football. And that man hurt people. He's got a Super Bowl ring. Man, he taught his son a physical game. His son plays wide receiver. But sometimes he punishes people out there. Now, 6'4", 223 pounds. Man, he immediately, to me, day one, with the innovative coach, put him in the slot. Like my man Zach was talking about Adam Thielen there, running out of the slot. Man, I'm all for create mismatches in the NFL. You are putting a man at 6'4", 223, in the slot against, what, the third best cornerback on the opposition team? Man, his catch percentage, he had 74% catch percentage this year with three different quarterbacks throwing him the football. But, man, the combine, every he checked every box. Look, it, I think he might take some time. I don't think he's as good as Juju Smith-Schuster. I think Juju was a much better prospect. But this young man has a great ceiling. Give him some time, put him in a slot, create mismatches and opportunities where he can be successful with his size and physicality. I love Michael Pittman Jr. here late in the second round. Yeah, Michael Pittman is a guy that I was contemplating when I took KJ Hamler. Pittman is a guy that I think the NFL, I think he's got a chance to be a top 50 pick. I think the NFL is going to be, probably higher on him than even the draft Twitter community has been uh, for all his receiving capabilities as well. And then he's a flat out stud on special teams. The amount of times that this guy's yes. made an impact in terms of blocking punts and on the punt coverage and stuff like that. So NFL teams are going to love that versatility uh, for sure. So great pick there, right? Last pick for you tonight, 2.11. Who is the selection? I'm so happy. I'm so excited <laughs> because I feel like my work that that my years of hyping Jalen Rager, that work is done. That work is done. And I've only got a few weeks in order to hype this prospect up some more. But I, I could not be more elated to get 
I like dynamic players. If you can't see from my previous three picks, I like players that can do a little bit of everything, right? And this guy is a small school prospect. Oh, can I take, can getting, I take a guess? He's getting big time buzz. Who is it, Zach? Oh, it's Darrington Evans. It's Darrington. Yes. And, and here's my thing. It was between him and another player that I like, and I'll throw it out there since we're towards the end, Antonio Gibson. Um, but the reason why I went uh, Darrington Evans is I've been doing some mock drafts with fantasy pros uh, using their their ADP stuff, and Evans didn't fall out of the second. I mean, I, I'm thinking I can wait until the third, and what he's done throughout the pre-draft process, I mean, he 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 absolutely crushed the combine with the 4-4-1, 20 bench press reps, 37-inch vert, 125-inch broad jump at 5'10", 203 pounds, and then his production at Appalachian State, I know it's the Sun Belt Conference, but uh, 1,100 yards, and then he follows that up with a 1,400-yard season over uh, 20 receptions, and this is a kid who was coming out of the Sun Belt as a junior. He's 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 that good to where he said, damn it, I can leave early and still have decent enough draft capital to matter. And Daniel Jeremiah is saying that he is getting day two buzz. And if Darrington Evans at 5'10", 203, gets day two draft capital with his skill set now, he is a zone runner. I think I saw a stat today that 92% of his carries were on zone on zone stretch plays. So he is a zone runner. But he reminds me of a bigger version of Philip Lindsay. And I think you're looking at a quality backup at the next level who has a chance to become a usable fantasy asset. So right here, when you get into the second, beginning of the third, you're looking for you're not getting Jonathan Taylor and CD Lamb and even T. Higgins type uh, you know, security with your picks. So I'm looking for a little bit of upside. And the one thing that Darrington Evans does that he'll be able to do from day one is return kicks over almost 1,500 kick return yards in his career, 25.7 yards per kick return. He's a dynamic return, man. So while he's developing and 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 Matt, you do a great job of talking about problem solving. One of the easiest positions from what I hear to translate from college to the NFL game is the running back position. I mean, you yes, there are things you have to learn and, and, and concepts you have to understand, but you get the ball, you run the ball. I mean, in a very rudimentary, elementary sort of overview, Darrington Evans in, in the right system, in his own scheme, I think he can be a very, very good running back at the next level, and I'm happy to take him here at the end of the second. Yeah, I love the pick of Evans. He's a guy that has been moving up my board. He's up to number eight now in my running back ranks, ahead of guys like you know Benjamin, Zach Moss, Keyshawn Vaughn, Michael Pirine, guys like that. I think he's a guy that, again, fits today's modern-day NFL. He's a guy that is the perfect complement if you have a more physical, tough interior runner. I think he's a guy that if an NFL team makes a day two investment on this guy, you're going to see this guy get a lot of opportunity to be very much a part of an even timeshare or a 60-40, you know, whether he's the 60 or the 40 to be determined on who's already there. But I think his big play skill set is something that is really going to treat NFL teams. So I'm glad he was taken. I'm glad we had an opportunity to hear Ray talk about about him because I do think his stock is pointing up and he's another one of those guys really intriguing playmaker Matt last pick of our two round rookie mock draft here who is to close it out you know I mean he already kind of name dropped Antonio Gibson so I'm not going to go there I'm not going to go out out of uh, left field but I'm going to I'm going to still come out of left field but maybe just because maybe this player falls into one of two categories 
Um, maybe because I, I've liked him for so many years and I'm just excited to see that the, the buzz is finally coming to the surface. And I'm going to go ahead and take the wide receiver out of Notre Dame with Chase Claypool because I like him and I like him as a prospect that could be either a big slot. He could profile as an outside receiver. I think he's a player that you have to work yourself into. Um, there was one other player in consideration right there. Um, I named Antonio Gibson. There was one other wide receiver I was interested in as well, and we'll talk about him maybe in our final notes. But Chase Claypool here, he's a very, very good um, he's a solid route runner. He's very solid. He can run the route tree. He's not exceptionally amazing at creating separation, but he's exceptional at creating and shielding his the defender from the football. He's really good at using his body. And I don't think any of us saw that speed, which leads me to wonder if he's really access, you know, access the full capacity of his capabilities. So I think there's a lot of room for development there. And I'd be interested to see if a team that's hungry like Washington might go get him at wide receiver. And then all of a sudden, you know, you pair him up in Washington and start developing him because you have really nobody else other than Terry McLaurin and maybe Kelvin Harmon. And then you see what you got. I'd be interested to see where he lands. So I'm going to go a little out on the limb and uh, take Chase Claypool here. Yeah, I mean, listen, Chase Claypool, we've already talked. You know, we mentioned two guys so far that have seen their stock rise considerably since the season ended. I mentioned Denzel Mims. Ray mentioned Jalen Hurts before. We could easily add Chase Claypool to that mix as a guy that has seen his stock rise. Some people look say that maybe they want to make him a tight end. If he's a tight end, then he's a move tight end that we say is basically a big wide receiver. So I never, I don't really understand that. I guess the designation for fantasy. Would, Where is he blocking? Be, can can somebody tell me? <laughs> can somebody can somebody tell me like where they all of a sudden think he's going to be able to like go in line at all if ever? Well, he's not going to have to do that. Well, then he's a big slot. So what do we? So to your yeah. point, what are we talking about? We're we're not. It's as if a team labels him that. I guess it can impact how he's looked at in terms of you know fantasy and positional value and stuff like that. But here or there, he's an intriguing player whose stock is up. Uh, so there it is. Second round, guys. Henry Ruggs was at two point oh one. Uh, Joe Burrow at two point oh two. Lavisca Chenault at two point oh three. Brian Edwards at two point oh four. AJ Dillon at two point oh five. Jalen Hurts at two point oh six. Brandon Ayuk at 2.07, KJ Hamler at 2.08, Quintus Cephas at 2.09, Michael Pittman Jr. at 2.10, Darrington Evans at 2.11, and to round it out, Chase Claypool at 2.12 of our two-round Dynasty rookie mock draft. Uh, I would have been next on the board here. I probably would have went to the wide receiver position and would have been intrigued by Antonio Gibson, who Ray and Matt both just mentioned. If not Antonio Gibson, I would have potentially looked at Donovan Peoples-Jones or Devin Duvernay. Those are a couple of the next wide receivers up on my board. I think you could also add Van Jefferson and Tyler Johnson. Those, to me, are my next five wide receivers that are in the conversation. Obviously, we could have started to dip in in the third round into the tight end pool. Uh you know, Cole Komet and Adam Trapman are my one-two with Trapman one and Komet two. I think those are probably the first two tight ends off the board, but don't believe they should be taken until round three. Obviously, you have the Bryant guys, Hunter and Harrison, who didn't really have the greatest of pre-draft process with the Combine. Uh, you have Albert O from Missouri, who could have been in the conversation. So you have some tight ends that would have been in the mix in round three or the early part of potentially round four in rookie drafts. 
quarterback position, Justin Herbert's still on the board. So he would have been a guy that I think would have probably been taken early in round three. And then, you know, maybe a little bit later, either in round three or round four, guys like Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm would have been taken, I think, if they end up having, you know, top 100 draft capital. And then the running backs, you know, I was excited that Ray took Darrington Evans so we could talk about another running back. I think other guys that would be of intrigue as the third round started to kick off that could be in play, Anthony McFarland out of Maryland. I'm a big fan of his game. Another guy like Darrington Evans that offers that explosion and big playability. Eno Benjamin from Arizona State, Zach Moss from Utah, and Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt. I think those names that I just mentioned would make up a lot of the picks in round three uh, and round four as well uh, if we kept playing this out for sure. But, guys, thank you so much, all of our guests, Ray, John, Zach. This is, was an absolute blast, a welcome, welcome distraction to sit here, talk football, talk these prospects, and laugh. Thank you for all of you guys for being on the show. Uh, I, I do want to go around and give you guys an opportunity to let the audience know what you're working on, uh, anything you want to promote. I know, Zach, I know you got your draft guide, so definitely talk about that. So we'll just kind of go in the order of the draft. Zach, any final parting thoughts or let the audience know where they can find you or what you're working on? Yeah, man. Um, no, I really appreciate you uh, you having me on because this is this is a lot of fun. I mean, going through two rounds of a rookie mock, I mean, that's, that's what more could you want, man? That's, that's a good time. You got some good names here. I mean, you know, John, Matt. Ray, all these guys are, are fantastic. So I uh, really appreciate you having me on. But, yeah, no, you can find all my work at DynastyDraftRoom.com. Um, gosh, man, we got everything over there. We, we're re- pumping out scouting reports like crazy, a lot of good content going out there, whether it's the NFL draft. If you like Debbie, go over there for Debbie, Dynasty. I mean, we, we added, I think, six new names to the to the team as well. Um, so we've been, we've been adding people to the team. So um, make sure you check out their work because they're going to be pumping out content like crazy too. Um, but yeah, you mentioned my NFL draft guide, man, 336, 334 pages. I think it is, uh, 226, uh, prospects in there. Um, it's very cheap. It's like two cents a prospect. If you break it down, man, it's, it's, uh, I, I put a lot of work into it, but I had a ton of fun doing it too. I learned a lot while I was doing it. Um, head over to dynastydraftroom.com slash NFL draft guide. If you want to purchase that over there, it's, uh, it's nine 99, but I, but I know some people have, uh, some promo codes that you could probably get a little bit cheaper, but, um, yeah, that guy right there, Ray, uh, <laughs> no, but I, I definitely appreciate all the support that everyone's put into that as well. So, um, great community. We got great, uh, great guys you got on here and I'm happy to be a part of it. Absolutely, guys. Make sure you go check that out, all the work that they're doing over there, and check out that draft guide as well. John, let me take it over to you. Any final parting thoughts or let the audience know where to find you and what you're working on? Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's one of it's just a pleasure to come on with you guys. I absolutely love it, man. To be able to have this opportunity and talk dynasty mock draft is just man, it gets me so excited, man. It just it's just the best feeling, man. This is what I love to do at this time of the year. Couldn't ask for anything more and um my written stuff it's the seventh year that my profiles are up on footballdiehards.com um i've got six articles up there right now i have one more sleeper column you know it does take me a while because i have a full-time job and a family so this stuff comes out you know i i space it out over a a couple of months but that'll be out within two weeks but please go to footballdiehards.com check out my stuff it's the seventh year up there i know you'll enjoy it and like it Guys, get, make sure you get over there. Check out all that work. I know John puts in a tremendous amount of time and effort into that uh, and greatly appreciate everyone checking that out and really excellent stuff there to read as well. 
Ray, let me kick it over to you. Let the audience know uh, what you're working on, where they can find all your work, uh, what you got going on with the podcast, and anything else you want to share. Yeah, I just want to say thank you guys, uh, Paul and Matt, the work that you do. And if I've got anybody, any of the the DDP listeners who are just checking out this for the first time because I'm on here and, you know, they want to see what this is about, uh, the the product that you guys do uh, Saturday to Sunday, I mean, it it is phenomenal, not just the podcast, but your, your work and engagement with people on Twitter, how you guys carry yourselves in this industry, in this community tremendous amounts of respect for both of you so thank you for having me on uh this is this was awesome so i i really mean that sincerely really appreciate the stuff that you guys do um and if you want to follow me uh really the big thing that i'm working on now is uh, all 22 scouting film is really hard to come by um and i've been blessed and fortunate enough to get some connections uh through my line of work that has given me access to that and i'm trying to share that with the community now so the destination debbie youtube channel I think we've got over 60 highlights of uh, current NFL draft prospects, uh, all 22 film breakdown for them. And we're working on a uh, 2021 prospect database right now. So working on that, writing over on Dynasty League football. But uh, I really just like to engage with the community, man. I, I call my I don't even call myself an analyst. I just say I'm a football entertainer. I just like to have fun with this and uh, give information about prospects that I like and try to give it from the lens of somebody who had the opportunity to play a little bit of college football in my time. So uh, just follow me on Twitter at RayGQ. And uh, thank you guys for having me on. It's been a blast. Everybody, Zach, John, Matt, Paul, really appreciate it. Right. Thank you so much for those kind words. I know Matt and I greatly appreciate that. That's something that we hold us to a high standard in terms of the engagement and the interaction with other people in the community and all of the fans, because at times, obviously, Twitter could get a little negative and a little nasty. And Matt and I really pride ourselves on on uh, trying to stay above that at all times. So it is greatly appreciated that others see that. Uh, and you took the time to comment on that. It means a lot uh, to me, and I'm sure Matt as well. Guys, make sure you're checking out all of Ray's stuff. Absolutely great stuff. Uh, the YouTube channel, the podcast, the written content over at DLF, all excellent stuff. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. Matt, any final parting thoughts here to close out the night? No, to echo the same things, though, that Ray said. I mean, Zach, it's been a pleasure. Ray, John, always a pleasure because, like like you just said, Ray, and I can't say that enough, I mean, what what – what unites us all is this passion for the game and our willingness to be vulnerable and share our thoughts and not worry about criticism and, and just being open to being wrong and being open to saying, I got something to learn. And I, I just love that message that each of you share with the community and you're, and you guys always do that. And I think that's so important because I think that's, what's going to constantly help us all grow and keep moving forward. I know there's so much out there for me to learn as well and so much out there for Paul and I to learn. And, and then just knowing that we have this community of people like yourselves that are just open, honest, vulnerable, and willing to just have fun with it makes it that much more important and that much more of an escape. And Paul, as I, as I know we close out today, again, not to, not to bring this down a notch or anything, but again, from everybody here, hope everybody's family, friends, and loved ones are doing well. So hopefully this gave you a welcome diversion from the realities of life for even just an hour. Absolutely. I, I can't echo that enough. This has been a really fun evening talking to all you guys. It, it's been so much fun, guys. Make sure you're following all these guys, Zach, John, uh, Ray. Uh, if you're liking what the content that Matt and I are putting out on the podcast or the, the stuff on Twitter, please get over to the website. SS Football is the quickest way to get over there. Uh, for $9.99, you can get access to all four premium notebooks. You immediately get the access to the 2020 scouting notebook, almost 90 to 100 uh, full details 
detailed profiles of the college prospects who are in the draft. We're talking strengths, functional areas, developmental areas, uh, NFL draft uh, projection, NFL role, fantasy spin, how they win. And there's like another 20 to 30 guys in there. Uh, people like Najee Harris, who I look forward to right coming back on the show. And we're talking about him, Travis Ethian, you know, Chubba Hubbard, all those guys that didn't come out this year. Uh, they're all in there as well because we thought they were going to declare. We get the rankings notebook, which has all our rankings, draft eligible, our, our tiered rankings. It'll have our dynasty rookie rankings. It has our Debbie rankings. And then I know Matt's working feverishly on the incoming 2020 freshman notebook to get a leg up in your Debbie leagues or under a way early look for your dynasty leagues or just a fan of college football. And I'm working uh, night and day basically on the draft projections notebook, which this year I think is more challenging than ever with the lack of information that is really out there as we, you know, all kind of bunker down. There's not been a lot out there, uh, you know, so it'll be a, a more of a challenge this year trying to peg that, but it has tabs for every position, notes on over 400 players, a quick snapshot of who they are, uh, trying to predict how it's going to go from everything I am hearing, listening, and reading, a tab for my guess of the who, what players will be taken in the first round, the top three rounds, and then my guess of every player that will be taken in the entire draft. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of all three of our amazing guests this evening and myself and our sound and tech engineer, David Nakano, thank you for joining us. Please stay safe and healthy during these crazy times. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.